Oh my gosh. Somebody just brought in cake balls. Have you heard of cake balls before until I, now? I have. I, <laughs> oh I think my gosh. Mil- I think they're a millennial oh, thing. Oh, this looks just like, this is like, oh my gosh. I'm going to wait till we taste before I eat those. Usually it's on a little stick. Really? What'd you, did you pull the stick out? You didn't think he'd be able to deal with a stick on there? It's like a piece <laughs> holy, of cake holy on cake lollipop. balls, Batman. <laughs> cake balls and rye whiskey. So we're going to jump into the rye whiskey now. This Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Loggerheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the bourbon road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. Hello everyone, this is Jim, and welcome to the Bourbon Road. It may be a day late, but hopefully our bonus episode gave you a little entertainment in the meantime. And in today's episode, Mike is flying solo at Angel's Envy as he interviews Wes Henderson. I think you're going to enjoy this show as the two of them get into some great conversation while tasting some fine Angel's Envy expressions. And later in the show, Wes announces his new seller collection release and talks a little about the 17 projects they have in the works and how it is working with his boys there at the distillery. And Wes really gives me a hard time for being absent at the interview. And I really feel bad about that. And Wes, if you're listening, my apologies. I promise to make it up in the future. And I hope there'll be a next time. Now, without any further chit-chat on my part, let's get on with the show. Hey, this is Mike Hyatt from the Bourbon Road, and I'm here at Angel's Envy Distillery in downtown Louisville. Wes Henderson, we're going to have him on today, and he was uh, good enough to have us in here. And uh, we've been trying to work on this for a while, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, bourbon business is crazy right now, as you know. Um, But I'm glad we finally got together, and I'm glad you got to come down and see the distillery. And I understand we'll talk about it later. You got to try something um, pretty special, too. So, I mean, it was worth the wait, right? Oh, definitely. We'll see how this shit turns out, you know, whether or not it's it's worth it, you know, whether I'm entertaining or not. But we'll we'll see that here in a minute. But uh, but, we tried to – I hit you up probably a bad time. I hit you up in a – you know, bourbon heritage month. And then October comes around. That's a busy month for bourbon. And then, you know, the holidays come on in November and then there's deer season for us. And then December, which is Christmas time. There's then, always something, yeah. you know, they're really in any more. It seems like there's always something, something, you know, I mean, now we're, we're already in Derby planning, you know, in earnest. Um, so it, uh, and, and, and with the bourbon industry, the way it is, I mean, literally I could be gone every day of the week doing something different somewhere else around the world. Um, and when we started angels envy, I literally was, you know, I was, I was, I traveled all the time, probably 80 or 90% of the time. But, but now, uh, you know, I'm trying to spend my time and, you know, quality rather than quantity. <laughs> so I have a life, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad we finally got together and, um, it, it's always fun to sit down and talk about bourbon, especially with people that have passion for bourbon and obviously your listeners, if they're listening and unless they're your family members, they love bourbon too. Yeah. Most you know? of them, most of them, I hope they live, love yeah. bourbon or they, maybe they're bourbon curious and they just want to know, Hey, what's in that angels envy bottle? What's so, what makes it special? Um, so that's why we, we'd like to get 
as many people in the industry and the culture on our on our podcast. Now Jim couldn't come down today. He's a he's a busy man too. So it's just me me and you together. Did he, did he send a note or anything like that, or a gift or an offering or anything that because he wasn't here? He didn't. He oh, he did man. say come by the house and try this stuff. Uh, okay, all right, all right. We'll have to we'll be we'll be good to him right now. But as Jim likes to say every time, hey, we like to get straight to the whiskey. Yeah, let's do well, it. Let's get, so what what's the first pour we got here? We're going to start with our Angels Envy flagship bourbon, our flag flagship bourbon. It's uh, it's our Angels Envy Kentucky Straight Bourbon whiskey finished in port wine barrels. It's uh, uh, I say it's kind of the familiar Angels Envy. It's what we launched with. It's a Kentucky Straight Bourbon whiskey, about forty six years old, and then finished in a port wine barrel for up to six months or so, ruby port wine barrel. And you know, for those of you that are fans of Angels Envy, it's um, you know, it's it's uh, it's very consistent. It's uh, very reliable. It's uh, it's very complex. And for those of you that are new to bourbon. It's it's a great bourbon to to maybe introduce yourself to bourbon because of the the taste profile. So I figured we start there and then we kind of work our way to something else. All right, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. You can you can definitely uh, know when you nose it. You can smell that. I think that port a little. You bit. do. You get a little bit of the hint of that port. And those are some of the dried fruits, and you get the dried fruits on the. Uh, you know, when you taste it as well. And, and it's your typical Kentucky bourbon notes. Um, you've got just a little bit of oakiness, a little bit of woodiness. The oakiness comes out a little bit more if you add water to it, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, you get maybe some, uh, some vanilla, uh, some banana on the nose for sure. And there are a million different, you know, you can sit here all day. There are 300 and some odd different aroma components for bourbon. Pretty much any damn thing you can think of is, sure. is an aroma component. So, um, but uh, what do you do? You get anything interesting or different in, in that? I'm thinking like a like a fig. Yeah, fig. Dried Absolutely, fig. like that 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 uh fig Newton cookie. Right. You know, I, I I don't know. Everybody's different, like you said. Those three different deals, but each person has that diff, different sensory. What well, we do, and and you know, we we all and. and and our, our, uh, our senses change our, anatomically we change over 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 time and our taste our taste receptors evolve our tastes evolve and uh, you know and 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 we you, know, you can be educated on how to taste by the way I mean you, you know by giving sure. reference samples you can teach somebody how to be a taster sure uh, but you have to be in tune to what those tastes are what those aromas are oftentimes have a have something a basis of comparison. You know, to say, oh, yeah, that is that that is a, you know, lavender or that is some exotic spice that that I didn't realize before. But now that I smell it by itself, isolated, then you can find it within, you know, with kind of within the spirit. You can get that class right here in Louisville over at Moonshine University or the Staven Thief, right? I I think Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good exercise. I started doing with scotch initially, and now I'm seeing the bourbon. Uh, We we do have a bourbon tasting kit. It's got 30 or 40 different aromas in it, which I love. And when I was little. I would go with my dad down to Brown Foreman. I go to work with him on weekends a lot of times and at Brown Foreman in the R&D department. We can talk more about dad if you want to, but they had a wall that was probably 10 or 15 foot long. And all it was were, were extracts, flavor extracts and aroma, and, you know, so, and there were different aromas and things like that. So as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world to just to walk up to that wall and pick out anything imaginable that you thought was cool, that there was an aroma, you know, mostly and you can smell it and you can smell it. Yeah. Um, and, and I still probably have that little bit of kid in me. And every time I see that tasting kit or that, that aroma kit, I still pull it out and I smell stuff. So your dad, he he's a, he is a legend in the, in the bourbon world. He worked for Brown Foreman for how many years? Dad was there almost 40 years. And years. that's a long time. That's loyalty right there. It, it is. And, you know, I think it's some of that generational, uh, you know, the 
the guys older than us a lot of times stayed in places a lot longer than what what people do now. But uh, that was Dad's, I think, second job. His first job was right out of college. Uh, and he was a chemist. He uh, did analysis of uh, samples from um, from Churchill Downs from horses. And he uh, so he did that for a while. And then he went to Brown Foreman as a grain chemist. And he spent his entire career there until when he retired um, after he founded Woodford. And, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. So he so he left there after 40 years and it was several years before you two mm-hmm. founded Angel's Envy. Right. Now, how did that discussion go? How do you how did you say, man, dad, we need to it was you or was it him? Hey, we need to we need to make our own bourbon. Yeah, I I, uh, I worked in the industry years ago and, and it can kind of come out and start doing some consulting in the industry about the time dad was going to retire, but was never really interested in being in the business. Uh, a lot of it just had to do with because that's what my dad did. And I didn't want to feel like I got any place because of my dad, which is kind of silly now, if you think about it, you know, why not take advantage of those, um, of those opportunities when you get them. But dad had been retired for a few years and a good friend of mine came to me. We were sitting talking one day and he said, well, it's just out of curiosity. Why have you never done anything with your dad? You know, you've got a world renowned distiller, a great reputation, great family name. And, and I, my friend Jay, I said, Jay, I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know why we never done anything, but then the wheels got turning. So I, I was living in Florida at the time and I flew up to Kentucky and it was a Saturday morning, Saturday or Sunday morning. And uh, we we're sitting in his basement and I told dad, I want to talk with him about something. I said, dad, I want to start a bourbon brand as a family. What do you think about doing it? Well, I, I want to do it. Do you want to come and do it with us? And he said, sure. And no hesitation, no. Now, looking back, he probably had no clue what we were getting into. Actually, I had no clue what we were getting into. But uh, and dad did what dad what dad did what dads do. You know, even if their son has a crazy ass idea, he's like, okay, you know, we'll figure it out. So that's how that's how the the scheme was hatched. Now, so who who had the idea for the name? It was our group. You know, we our, our partnership, all the guys, me, dad, the other guys that I brought on board. We did it all internally. You know, all the design was done internally. All the concept was done internally. When we internally, when we keyed in on the angel shares being something we thought was a great part of the story that, that had been told a lot yet, especially 10, 11 years ago. Um, and truthfully, if, if there wasn't an Australian wine that was trademarked angel share, we might have called this angel share, but I'm glad that it was like that because it, it, you know, it pushed us to to come up with some other thoughts and other ideas. And when we decided on angels envy, everything else just fell in place. We we loved the idea of wings, the shape of the bottle conformed to the shape of the wings, and everything just really. And you can see on my, yeah, I can't show this on the podcast, but if you see it on the wall there. See that clear bottle on the right hand side. Yeah, that was one of the original iterations. Now we only did two, but notice how that one's a little bit. It's a little taller, maybe. Uh, uh, and this, this, we did two iterations and we settled on this one. We'll definitely, I'll get a photo of that before we leave so that sure. our listeners can look on our website and look at the blog and, um, check that out. I, I think, you know, it's probably one of the most recognizable bottles on the shelf today. Um, it's not a wine bottle. It's not a whiskey bottle so much shape. It's, it's its own shape, right? It is. And that's a really good point when you say it's not a whiskey bottle shape and, um, and that's I say it quite often when I talk about this package. Um, I was scared, very scared of it when we first started doing it because it was so different. But the same reasons I was scared of it ended up being the same reasons I loved it because it was so different. I mean, it's it's a sexy bottle. Well, it is, and and, and that that's that's kind of one of the things that breaks the conventionality of it is that um, it's 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 sexy, but it's not so sexy or feminine that a dude's embarrassed to take it to the checkout stand. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. yeah. And, 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 and women love it. It's uh, you know, but, but now, you know, it, it's less and less about what the bottle looks like as women drinking more and more whiskey. They're more experts on what's in the bottle than what the bottle looks like anymore. So, and most of them have a better sense sensories than we, than I, I, do. I, I don't know if I'd ever, I don't know if I would ever, uh, <laughs> Uh, admit that. Uh, but I think that the science says that that's probably the truth. And, uh, uh, so, so the little bit of femininity was great. It whole, you know, the way it, way you hold it in your hands, you know, we talked to bartenders, you know, the width of the bottle, how it pours, sure. uh, all those little things came into play when you, when you settle on a bottle design, the height is important as it relates to the shelf height and everything else. But you're right. It's become a very recognizable, almost iconic bottle. Now, where did, so we, we got through the bottle you guys are deciding at the name and the bottle and stuff when was the decision made said hey we are gonna take and put our bourbon in port port wine barrels where did that decision come about so the challenge was to dad and i I wanted to keep dad really excited and really engaged and really interested on what he was doing uh all along the way and I talked with dad. I said, dad, let's think of things you did in the past. Let's say a Brown Foreman that you really enjoyed doing or different production methods or things that you enjoyed doing that for whatever reason didn't ever make it out. And Brown Foreman on Glen Morangi for a long time, which is a very fine single malt, you know, scotch whiskey that is finished, typically finished in other barrels. So we kept coming back as secondary barrel finishes. He always loved it. He thought it was fun. And I thought it was a key differentiator we were the first people to really do it successfully commercially with bourbon. And uh, I, I, I became fascinated with it as well. And that's just what we locked in on. You know, we, we locked in on that pretty early too. what we wanted to do. It was risky, though. I mean, we're talking 2009. So it definitely sets you apart from anybody else. A- absolutely. And especially back then. And now you see them all the time. And where were you guys distilling at then? We, we, we were sourcing. We were sourcing everything. So we sourced from several different producers. And then the difference between us and a lot of other people, though, is we sourced it. We did the finishing. We did the blending. We did the bottling. We did everything else related to. Of course, now all of our production is done here at our distillery. Sure. But uh, we had several producers at the beginning where we sourced from very uh, almost identical mash bills. And uh, then we just worked our magic on it. And for our listeners that don't know what sourcing is, that's a mainly gigantic distillers that have they'll have extra whiskey put aside and they'll it can sell be, that. Yeah, it, it can be any, you know, and it's been done for, you know, 150 years or more distillers. Uh, you know, they 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 swap sell whiskey all the time. It's still done now. You know, even they'll produce for each other after the Heaven Hill fire. Heaven Hill didn't have production capacity, so other distillers produced for them for for several Helped years. Them out, right, exactly. And we were very we do that in the industry. We were very helpful to each other and very supportive of each other. Now, if you had to name like one major person in the industry that helped you guys out, helped you and your dad start this, who would that be? Wow, that's a um, that's I've never been asked that question before. Um, we were pretty self-reliant. I mean, we had help along the way. If we ever needed any help with anything or anybody, any Bill Samuels uh, is a dear friend. And I think Bill saw a lot of parallels between what I was trying to do and, you know, how he grew Maker's Mark. So we have a particular fondness for each other, I think. Um, uh, so I would talk to Bill, but we just kind of locked ourselves in a, in a closet, you know, and just kind of did our thing, kept our heads down. We did all the bottle design ourselves. We did all the, you know, creation of the company, all the legal, all the label approvals, all the formula approvals. I mean, your dad was really did you really need anybody else besides your dad? You well, know? no, I mean, I, I definitely, I, we, we did. And, and, and what dad brought to the table was, is that, you know, I had a very uh, distinctive view on what I wanted the product to be like. Dad was very much a validating factor. 
and, 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 you know, kept us on the right path. You know, so I, t- I take blends to dad. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Should we take a look at this? Take a look at that. Dad was very, dad was purposely very hands off because he wanted me to, you know, he wanted me to figure take, it out. Yeah. But he was always there as a very guiding presence and a very validating presence. So, um, um, so, you know, but I mean, having dad's name and dad's pedigree in the industry absolutely helped us, especially at the beginning. I'm yeah. sure that's something you miss every day. You know, yeah. You know, passed away in, in yeah. 2013. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's been, it's hard to believe it's been six years. It, uh, you know, unfortunately dad did not get to see the distillery completed. He got to see his break ground, but he got to see the brand grow in a way that he had never, I think we grew faster than Woodford did at the beginning. We may still be growing as faster than, than, than they have, uh, you know, at this point and then the longevity of each of the respective brands. But more importantly than that, he got to spend the last few years of his life. And, and I really believed I don't know whether dad felt this way or not. Dad was a melanoma survivor and for eight years after he was diagnosed. And I don't know whether in the back of dad's head, he thought that that would come back, you know, that he had a kind of a limited amount of time left. Yeah. And and it just kind of an awareness. It may not be an, it may not be a conscious awareness, you know, it just may be a sense that, you know, and I I might've sensed that too, you know, that, 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 that now was the time to spend time with my dad. And for him to be able to spend the last few years of his life working closely with me and working with his grandsons, which he absolutely adored, was probably some of the best years of his life. And to be able to share that with him, you know, forget about the building the brand, forget about the success of the brand, just just the family experience together and creation was uh, was was a very blessed opportunity. I mean, it's it's also nice that you you left his name on the bottle and you live that his legacy it will always be there. It will, you know, and and it uh, I'm pretty stand pretty firm on that. Um, people have come to me with the newer expressions and said, "Wes, well, you know, you've created these new expressions. Why isn't your signature on the bottle?" I'm like. Dad's the inspiration behind this company. You know, dad is our, our founding master distiller and everything we do is inspired by dad. And, um, so, uh, I, I, I believe that'll always, that'll always be that way. That, that, that's awesome. I think you do that. Let's take a little, let's take a little trip back in time. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so you're a young man. Um, you've got a dad that's in the business in the bourbon, in the bourbon culture. When, when would you think would be the first time that you had that first sip of bourbon? Well, I was absolutely over 21. <laughs> oh man. Look, I mean, for medicinal purposes, I'm sure that, uh, that, that, you know, we had stuff. Uh, we, it's a very interesting thing when you're in the industry and, uh, you grow up around it. It's like anything else. When you grow up around it, it's, it's, it's like a TV in the room. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not taboo. It's not unusual. It's just part of what you do and a part of your life. I mean, my dad would keep new make under the counter in the bathroom and use it for aftershave <laughs> lab samples still had the lab label on it sure. of new make. So I, I mean, I, I certainly had every opportunity in the world to, to drink whatever, but I, I think because that, that lack of um, taboo and um, I didn't really drink a lot. Honestly, I still don't drink a ton. So you can't uh, remember that first sip of. No, I can't. I can remember the first time I drank. Well, no. Yeah, I can. I, I can remember the time that I drank way too much, <laughs> which I'm sure most people do. I've, hey, I've got a long story about that. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing about it is, is I had access to probably some of the best whiskey on the planet. And when I was in school, I drank this crappy stuff, man. I mean, I drank Old Crow and 
I mean, actually, Old Crow is not horrible, but, you know, this stuff that just like, you know, you'd think that, that, that having access to the good stuff, I would drink some better stuff than, but when you're that age, you're not thinking about the, the you know, thing, you're not a connoisseur of bourbon, you know, no, you're, you're just you're drinking, just drinking, you drinking on, whiskey right? that I can, that we can manage to find. Um, so yeah, I wish I had a, I wish I could tell you, um, exactly when you said old crow though that's uh you know that's a grand old brand that we've we've talked about before we actually had michael veach on a a couple weeks ago and michael um, we were talking about how we believe that jim beam should bring back that brand to its grandness um well what do you mean mean elevate it elevate (laughs) it to what it used to be um maybe age it a, a lot longer. I mean, and now would be the, if you're going to do it, now would be the time. Um, it, it's a very, um, uh, I tell you who's done a really good job of this, and I, I said it to Brown Foreman for years, is to elevate Old Forester. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the best whiskeys in the world, I believe. And to, to start, you know, uh, elevating that to the place I think it, think it deserves. So it's a good example of how you can take a product that, that has a lower shelf price. And managed to uh, using uh, packaging, using new expressions, re- you know, reviving the story, remembering that it's the oldest continuously produced bourbon in the in the world, reminding people of that. So I, I think it's possible now to maybe do something like that with Old Crow. Um, there's there's definitely opportunities there. Um, to do stuff like that, now's the time if you're going to do it. I mean, there's other brands out there like that. I think that it'd be nice to see that they bring back like Cabin Steel. Which was a it was a Weller cabin still. It's, the name has changed, and they almost killed that brand off before it was sold to Heaven Hill. Um, and it, I mean, it's still produced today, right? But it it could come back to being a grand, I would say, a grand bourbon. There's still a lot of. I'd be interested to see. Um, I guess you do a search to look at some of these old trademarks that have expired. And bring back those. Bring them back those. I've thought about that off and on for quite a while, but I've just never gotten around to it. Um, you know, that would be very fascinating because especially in the history of Louisville, of all the, I mean, I look at some of these brands I'm like, what the hell? I mean, there's thousands and thousands of bourbon brands out there. I'm sure that nobody's ever heard of. And there's some history behind every one of them, most likely. And to, uh, you know, to be able to do that would be fun. I think I, 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 uh, we, we had another guy on a guy named, uh, David rich from rich grain distilling down in, uh, Canton, Mississippi. And he brought back an old brand. He bought the trademark to it, I think, or the, the rights to the company. And it was out of actually out of St. Louis. Um, and he brought it and I, I don't know if he was the first in Mississippi to make bourbon, but he's definitely making bourbon in Mississippi. Oh, the now. first person to make it legally, legally in Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of whiskey being made in Mississippi that nobody knows. Nobody's paying taxes on down there. Probably still a lot of that yeah, being done uh, in Kentucky. Kentucky yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we went back in time and stuff. Let's talk about your your. You walk in this place in this great distillery. You broke ground on here in 2011. Yep. And what what was the thought? Was that a scary process? To man, I'm fixing to take this gigantic step. Um, probably not so much because I was really more involved with building the brand, and uh, you know, we knew we kind of had a tiger by the tail. I mean, it's all, I mean, it's a twenty seven million dollar when we built it, it was twenty seven million dollar facility. We probably made you know a couple million dollars more investment here as well as investment elsewhere on warehouses and stuff. So. Um, I mean, it's always scary when you're taking that next step. It was very exciting because you know, then you're really controlling your own destiny. 
when you're doing your own production. Who else was downtown at that time? And that was another thing that I believe took a lot of uh, forethought. You know, we had um, Evan Williams down there, which is kind of like Distillery Light. You know, it's a great story. Sure. Um, and it's a definitely a, a great part of the of the story of bourbon in Kentucky, but there's not a lot going down there on a production level. We were the first full production facility downtown Louisville. And for those of you that are, that are from Louisville and may or may not know the history, I started talking about the, this urban bourbon concept with Jerry Abramson back in 2006 or 2007. And Jerry was all for it. I mean, of course, Jerry was the biggest cheerleader for the city you've ever seen. But uh, and then, of course, Mayor Fisher came in and, and, and Greg has been a tremendous supporter. But when we were talking about doing it in the in the late 2000s, it was definitely a novel idea. And, you know, the, the thought I had about it was, is that there was so much history downtown and it really kind of got jacked. You know, it kind of got jacked and taken out sure. to the to, uh, surrounding areas. And there's people, no need for the river no more, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, as you know, that's that was the basis of the city. You know, the city was founded because of the river, and and the river was very important. And I, I still think that the river was important for commerce. But uh, the, when these distillers moved out to the to to other areas, but that history was forgotten. And to to be able to bring it back to an urban bourbon setting, I thought would be a lot of fun. And we considered other stuff too. I mean, we considered. I thought about buying the old Taylor Distillery. Um, I looked at the old old Crow distillery out there on the same wow. out, out in, yeah. out in uh, Milltown or Millville. Millville. Yeah. Which is like what five people live there. They all work <laughs> at the distilleries. <laughs> There's nothing but distilleries out there. Yeah. Um, so in the old Taylor place, I loved it, but it was a, to me, it looked like a money pit and it, uh, but it was beautiful. But then I started keying in on, on urban bourbon. So that, that's how we ended up here. I, I think it's awesome. You guys, revitalized downtown Louisville, I think is one of the key points, you know, you, you're right across from the bar park ballpark here. Um, there's breweries coming in, more businesses coming in Louisville. It's making Louisville look nicer. Um, how can you go wrong with that when you help a city out and bring more people downtown? I, I don't think you can. And, and everybody works together so well, everybody plays well together. All the distillers play well together. We've kind of got all different pieces of the puzzle. Like I said about Evan Williams earlier, I don't think you're going to go there and learn a ton about distilling, but you're going to learn a lot about the history of bourbon in Louisville, the history of the river and just a different piece, you know, and, and, and at old Forrester, you're going to get a different, another piece, you know, they've got a Cooperage there, which is, which is cool as shit, you know, and not everybody gets to see that. Sure. So everybody kind of has a little something different they can add to it. And we, we all work together very closely. I work a lot with uh, Campbell Brown at Brown Foreman and those guys. And, you know, we're all pulling, we're all pulling in the same direction here. Well, so we'll go ahead and finish up. Um, the yeah, because I'll keep have. talking. I'll keep yakking yeah. as long uh-huh. as you sit here. So, <laughs> well, we'll you, you put some chocolate out there. Well, for let's me. do that. Let's uh, let's pour another. Uh, we'll finish me, this up. We'll, let take me, a, well, let me do this. Do you want to take a break? Or yeah, maybe? we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll drink some. We'll drink some bourbon. We'll drink in the some bourbon and then we'll eat some chocolate too. And then we'll come back and we. You got a second expression for for us to to try, um, and uh, we'll see you back in a minute. Hang around. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. 
owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. So we're back for the second, uh, our second half, and uh, for our second pour, Wes. What do, what do we, what do you got for us? Let me ask you a question. You you got through like one question in the last half hour, right? You got a long list, and I only let you get in one question. Is that about right? <laughs> no, I got, you got I got a few. I, okay. I got down through there. All man. right, all right, okay, that's cool. We, right. You know, a lot of the questions were about the bottle, your dad. Uh, this second half, we're gonna so we're gonna we talk answered about some. So we answered some, even though we didn't like go to right. Okay, that's, oh, yeah. that's cool. All right, we get some extra stuff that I think our listeners will find interesting about Louisville, Kentucky, and. And uh, good. This second half, let's talk about uh, whatever the future, you want to talk and about. let's talk about your family. Okay. All right. You want to? Do you want to uh, drink? Take a quick drink of this bourbon. And what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, you've got a chocolate there, right? I done suck that chocolate down, and I oh and she gosh. actually poured me some extra you bourbon. Listen and I drank to directions. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Let's just let's let's go back to the family stuff. So let's let's talk about our first. Uh, right, what what do we got for this pour? The second pour. The second Great. pour. So the second pour is our Angels Envy Rye Whiskey. Oh my gosh. Somebody just brought in cake balls. Have you heard of cake balls before until I, now? I have. I, I oh, think my gosh. Mili- I think they're a millennial oh, thing. Oh, this looks just like, this is like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to wait till we taste before I eat those. Usually, it's on a little stick. Really? What, did you, did you pull the stick out? You didn't think he'd be able to deal with a stick on there? It's like a piece <laughs> holy, of cake Holy on cake lollipop. balls, Batman. <laughs> cake balls and rye whiskey. So we're going to jump into the rye whiskey now. This is our rye whiskey finished in X rum barrels. It's become one of those things that uh, we see uh, people talk about quite a bit. It's a uh, 68-year-old rye whiskey, 95% rye mash bill, finished in a rum barrel for up to 18 months. And right off the bat, have you had the rye before? I have. Okay. All right. So I figured that's a silly question. Right off the bat on the nose, you get that molasses. It's almost like dessert in a glass, creme brulee. Um, it, 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 it does have an element of sweetness to it when you taste it, but I don't think it's as sweet as your nose believes it to be. And at 100 proof, you still get a little kick there. But I also believe that if I didn't tell people it was 100 proof, they wouldn't know. Because it's it just definitely drinks. You think it drinks like a ninety proof or higher? Uh, no, lower. Lower. I think it, it definitely and uh, yeah, somewhere in that range probably. Now that's that's a rye whiskey I can I can get into right there. And a lot of our listeners know that I'm a I'm a weeded bourbon guy. I love some wheat <clears throat> bourbon. My son Andrew keeps pushing to do some weeded stuff, and one of these days we probably will get around to it. Um, let's do this. Take a um, do me a favor. Take another sip of that whiskey. And then take a bite of that chocolate, that white chocolate. And then after you take a bite of the chocolate, take another sip of the whiskey and see what it see what it does to the flavor there. We designed these chocolates, by the way. I sat down with the chocolatier. So I, after you chew that, take another sip of the rye if you would. And 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 it's a really good exercise in, in tasting and how uh, things complement each other and how they can alter. It, it completely changes you know, the taste profile, having that, that little bit of chocolate. I actually think it takes some of the sweetness out of the rye whiskey a little bit. For me, it does. Um, I kind of feel bad for chewing on these angel wings. Um, I never thought about that till you just mentioned them. <laughs> yeah, well, 
It probably wouldn't gonna hurt me any to chew on some angel wings. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll get some more. Um, so we do the same thing with our bourbon. If you want to tour the distillery, we, we feature some chocolates along the way uh, as a pairing exercise. So, um, so yeah, that's our rye. The rye has been a lot of fun. It it's uh, very unique, just like anything else we do. It's very bold. The the, the flavors or aromas are very much in your face. It's uh, it's very aggressive in the finish. Unlike the port barrel finish, which is very subtle, this is not subtle. You know, the rum barrel just jumps out and smacks you upside the head. I think a lot of whiskey drinkers, this would be perfect for them to start with. Um, you, you know, that's a really good point. The the high proof sometimes can be an issue, but I will tell you that that people who don't drink whiskey drink this, and they, they, you're right. I mean, they 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 tend to love it. I, and even people that don't like rye. They say, I don't like rye whiskey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, I said, please, just, just do me a favor. Just take it, take it, take just a teeny tiny sip. And because of that finish is so dominant, um, you still get the spiciness of the rye, but it's unlike any other. It's almost its own category. It, I, some people say it's not its own category, but I think it definitely is. You know, if you, rye whiskey is rye whiskey. Um, and some of them are different, but this is definitely, it's got great legs on it um, in the glass. Still got that oily, that taste um, coach your mouth. I, I love it. I agree. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. And I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners are like, what this, this weeded bourbon guy is sitting there loving on some rye whiskey. It's all but, good, man. You can love more than one thing. Yeah. I, well, except for, except for women. Yeah. One woman. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk. You talked a little bit about your tour and how have you have chocolates on your tour. What can a list one of our listeners when they come in and take a tour? What what can they expect? They expect to have a blast. It's uh, we have a great team here, very engaging. Our distillery guardians that that do the tours. It's a full production facility, so you get to see everything that relates to Angels Envy. We talk about the history of the family. We talk about the history of the brand, how it was developed, and we take you through the entire process here and uh, and up close. And we also have some interactive tours where you can uh, fill your own bottle. Is that, have, that's pretty new, right? Yeah, a few months old. Yeah, uh, we re, re reimagined it a little bit. We we tightened it up. Um, we also have a uh, behind the barrel tour for rye. So you're actually going and tasting rye out of the barrels. So the, we we've we've created some other experiences in addition to our our uh, you know our our, our I say our, our, our signature tour is what we call it. So uh, we were consistently ranked one of the top uh, visitors locations in in the city on TripAdvisor, like two or three or one sometimes. So. Um, and you offer a military discount too, right? We or do. Free for, free free for, military. for military. Free for military with military ID. Um, we've been working on uh, maybe doing something with first responders as well. So because that's very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, we, we definitely, as you can tell by the stuff in my office that I have from the military up here, I'm a pilot as well. So anybody that flies airplanes, I have a special affinity for. So, um, so yeah, we, we definitely take care of those who've taken care of us over the years. Now I never have flown an airplane, but I've make a, I've made a couple boats fly in my military career. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's a whole different ball game right there, isn't it? Well, there's more planes in the ocean than there are boats in the sky. I could always say that. There you go. That um, makes sense. Yeah, that, yeah. Now that I think about that, you're exactly right. So it's always but, safer to get on a boat because but, but it's all physics, you know. It's 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 uh, it's uh, thrust and lift and whatever you got. I mean, you got a boat, you got those things. You know, you can get out, you get out of the water, right? You can you can get them out of the water. That's a that's a pretty awesome thing. So the tour, I think that's a you know that you can fill your own bottle here, um, and there are some other distilleries that. St- 
have started that in the past couple of years. But what a great experience. You can come here. You can get that bottle filled. You can actually get it laser engraved here, too. Laser engraved. You also fill out the – we make you do the whole thing. If you're going to fill it, we're going to make you fill it. You know, you're going to fill it. You're going to sign, fill out your own side labels, uh, package it all together. We we label it or we, we log it in a book. So if you come here 20 years from now, 50 years from now, you can see that bottle as it was logged in. And it's actually genius on my part because we, we make you do the labor and we charge you more for it. Yeah. Perfect. That's perfect. perfect. But everybody seems to love it. It's a funny, it's a beautiful box. So uh, we, the tour usually sells out. And you guys are just kicking on all cylinders. Now you got, you got a cast at strength release every year. Um, this past year you had a great one. And the, the boxes though, for those, whose idea was that to come out with that box? The box has evolved over the years. And I wish I had one of the, for, I don't have one of the first boxes in here. I would, I would show you and give you a picture of it. Um, you know, the, when we started Angels Envy, my partners initially, we did the first one in 2012, which was right after we launched the brand. They did not want to do a cast strength. They were totally against it. They said, Wes, if you want to do it, you freaking figure out how to do it. So I said, okay. So so I designed the box. I designed, came up with the concept, the whole deal. And uh, we did the first one in 2012, which uh, Paul Picaltney had the number one spirit in the world in 2012, which was pretty cool. But the box has just evolved. Now the box itself is a work of art. You know, the way that they, the way that my team has put that together, it's a display piece. As you, as you know, you've seen it. Well, I got I got one on my shelf. I, and I there love you go. It. Um, and I, I think that's the same thing about your bottle in that box. Um, it, my opinion is I don't want to put a bottle of whiskey on my shelf for display, even if it's for drinking, if it looks unpleasing. You know, it just to me, you know – I believe in feng shui. Everything has a feeling to it. I get that. A flow. And if I put something that looks cartoony up on my shelf and everything else is old oak and wood. You don't and, have a bottle of Ron Burgundy scotch? I do not. <laughs> I'd, like to ha- I'd, I'd like to have him on. <laughs> yeah. that's That was genius. The, the genius about it is I bought a bottle of it just because I thought it was cool. But I just, that's my opinion, I guess. I understand uh, that. Yeah. I totally get it. I, I, I think there's also some pride behind it, too. If you're going to bring people into your bar and you want to kind of, you know, you want to show off what you got a little bit, why not put your best foot forward? Yeah. That's the way I feel about it, too. You know, hey, here's some stuff from pre-prohibition, you know, blah, 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 and blah. I, I looked around your office, you know, uh, and you do have some pretty awesome old bottles in here. Yeah. Thank um, you. Just amazing to me that the love for that history of the bourbon um, culture and sometimes that's getting lost and um, some people don't appreciate that is drink a dusty to drink a dusty right when well, it's harder to find that that's one of the problems i see here lately is that you know i'm collecting stuff a lot of it for historic reasons and research especially pre-pro things and they're so expensive now and so hard to get because people just want to covet them yeah and, and as opposed to i mean it's okay to drink them it's okay to enjoy them but you know let, let, it's driven the prices up to where it's you know we want to be able to preserve as much of the history as we can and to have samples of that and to be able to reference that it enables us to do that so it's but i still buy stuff i pay stupid amounts of money for stuff that's crazy but but i want i want that for research so i'm willing to do it let's talk about that a little bit uh, since you since you brought it up what what's your thoughts on the secondary market um uh, it is what it is. You know, I mean, if there's a demand for something, there's going to be a market to the market's going to figure out how to deal with it. And I think it's unfortunate in many ways uh, because it blocks people out. You know, prices block some people out from enjoying sure. certain things and 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 people that collect just to collect. You know, it drives me nuts when I meet somebody and the first thing they say is Pappy Van Winkle and that's all they know. 
Um, not because it's not a great brand because they're dear friends and it's a great brand, but you know, it's, I want this because nobody else has it and because I can afford it. And, and most of them think they know everything they know, they know in the world to know about bourbon. And I'm just like, okay, you know, have at it. <laughs> but they don't like the Pappy Van Winkle. They, they do not like that secondary market at all. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Preston about that a few months ago when they came out, you know, saying they were going to go after everybody in the secondary market. I, you know, I, I, I don't doubt their sincerity at all because they're wonderful people. But in a way, they ought to wake up every morning and and and, and say thank you to the secondary market oh, yeah. because that's one of the things that's driven that brand to the to the spot that it is now. So, but it also comes back to what I said a minute ago: is that it takes it out of the hands of of of, of normal. I say normal people. I know that's a good of your average working guy isn't going to pay $2,000 for a bottle of something. And I don't blame him like me. I, I can't, I'm not going to pay. Uh, I can't pay $2,000. No. That. And even if I can, I'm not. So, you know, and especially not and put it and then put it on my shelf. Sure. And not open it. There's something wrong there. So the market is what it is. The market's always going to drive where things go. It's unfortunate in many ways, but it's also raised the profile. We've got our cast strength, 2012 cast strength. I've seen for $4,000 online. That's a, that's crazy. Now, part of me thinks, oh my God, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that. The other part of me thinks like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Somebody will pay two, you know, $4,000 for it. Um, but, um, I don't know if that, that's a long winded answer to your question, but you're uh, good. Hey, so let's talk about family. So this is a family business. Got a lot of kids. How many boys you got? I have six boys. How many girls? No girls. girls. I I have two granddaughters though. So in, in, you got two boys that are in the business big time with you. Now I have four. Four. Started out with two, and early on, Andrew and uh, Kyle were with me early on. Kyle was with me before he was even – actually, Kyle and Andrew joined before they were 21, um, you know, doing blending and stuff like that. So, uh, And then in the last year and a half or so, Spencer came on uh, as a distillery guardian initially, and now he's in production. And Connor – is in production as well. So my four oldest are are, are, are active or full-time members or, or workers working with the distillery. Now, is there any plans for you guys to do something special together? I thought you were going to ask me if there were any plans to have any more kids. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that ship, that ship sailed. I don't, uh, I don't wish uh, six is, our age. Probably. Uh, we don't wish that on anybody. You know, my grandkids wear my ass out. <laughs> and and I, I often say to my wife, I'm like, how do we do it? You know, we had, you know, we had, you know, one time had like, kids you know four or five kids between five and newborn you know i mean i i don't know how the hell we do it so so doing things with the boys that was the question we, we we're already doing things it's a very collaborative effort here uh especially on the cast strength they they contribute a lot to that as they pull out barrels throughout the year that we we end up selecting for cast strength uh, we have meetings regularly about innovation and and i i push them out i push them out of the nest on a lot of stuff you know, hey, you know, Andrew came to me with an idea of some barrels he wanted to finish in, uh, I don't know, about eight months ago. And I think he expected me just to take the idea and do it. I'm like, I'm like I said, no, do it. Go ahead. Find the barrels. We were walking in here. I seen one of them in his desk. His, his head was down. He's working. They work their butts off. They really do they have an amazing work ethic. They uh, they're very respectful of the industry. They don't take anything for granted as to why they're here. I mean, sometimes I think you see a little entitlement because they're of, you know, they're kids. Which, you know, man, that's not unusual, right? That's you know? every, I think that's, a, I, I got think anymore <laughs> it's sad, you know, it's really sad, but, um, look, I've had to work my ass off, you know, my entire life. And, and I think that the kids see that and they appreciate that and they know the meaning of hard work and the rewards you get from hard work and they know the meanings behind, you know, doing the right things and, and, uh, you know, uh, being charitable and, you know, working throughout the community to, to, to do the right thing. So uh, I've got great kids. Couldn't ask for better kids. 
Now, so you talk about charity there with your kids. Um, you guys do some great charity here, all right? I think so. I mean, we, we do a lot of th- I mean, on a daily basis, I think we're doing something that I, I consider, I don't know if I, I guess you would consider it charitable or being part of the community or, you know, or giving little pieces uh, of ourselves that can maybe be beneficial to others. Uh, on a sustainability issue, uh, our sustainability platform, our Toast the Trees, is huge now. Uh, in September, the month of September, we, for every hashtag Toast the Trees that someone posts on social media with a picture of something Angels Envy, we plant an oak tree. And it's our way to give back some of the oak trees that we've used to build, uh, to make barrels. This past year, uh, we did over, I think, like 34,000 hashtags. So we are going to plant 34,000 baby oak trees. That's a lot of trees. It's a lot of trees. And and we we, we, we plant a good, I say a majority of them, we plant a good slug of them. How long is it? Is it fifty years or sixty years before that tree at, could ever least, become a barrel? At least, right? yeah, at, at least. That's thinking of the future and our future uh, children and their their children. So yeah. they can enjoy bourbon just like me and you do. It is, and and I think that it's funny, and not just in, in in life is the same way in business. And you know, you set out, you do, you start doing things for a certain reason or a certain way. Let's say you're going to do this, and it's interesting how it evolves over time. When when the Toasted Trees thing first came out, I just thought, oh, this is a really cool marketing idea. Um, I think it'll gain some traction, it'll get us some recognition, you know. But then it took on a life of its own. Then then we realized the impact of what we were doing and how how it's been embraced and all the good we're doing. So it's turned into almost a platform of sustainability. So something that just kind of started out as maybe being a good way to get people's attention and do a little something sure. has turned into a lot of something. And it's really um, it's it's really been great to see it grow. Now, you're so you're first responder also. Mm-hmm. You're a certified firefighter. Yep. So how do you guys do anything with that for, with first responders? We we do. We do a lot of special tours. We do a lot of special engravings. Um, we're looking to do a, a first responder program. We do it for military now, active duty military and retired military. Where they get free admission. Uh, we're also working on a program for, for first responders. Four of our my family members are state certified firefighters. I'm also a death investigator with the coroner's office. So, you know, we've, we're, we're all involved in fire or law enforcement in some shape, form, or fashion. So um, we have a keen sense of... Uh, you know, that also adds also another layer of social responsibility to what we do here and, 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 and consuming spirits responsibly, you know, because we're out sometimes seeing the consequences of bad decisions and people who don't consume uh, adult beverages responsibly. That gives us a heightened awareness of how important it is that we play a big role in, in making sure that uh, we, we communicate and do the right thing as far as responsibility goes. I, you, you talk about that. And I think. Some people have asked me about that. You know, why do you buy so many bottles of bourbon or something? And to me, it's it's a safe, responsible thing to not go out to the bar every five or six days. Plus, I can't recover like I used to. Oh, I'm into that. Um, <laughs> but guess what? Now there's Uber. There is a well, not out where I live. Well, you live out in the, the sticks, which yeah, is which yeah. is I guess beautiful out there where you live. Um, but and we're seeing those trends change with younger people, whereas my generation, you know, we'd often drink and get behind the wheel of a car, which was totally insane, totally wrong. Um, but now with the advent of Uber and other things like that, we're seeing that kids are taking and adults now are, there was never an excuse to do it before. Sure. There's no way there's an excuse to do it now because there's so many other options. A lot of people gather at home and these days and, and and share a bottle together responsibly. For sure. And I I think that's, you know, that thing, me and my wife, we will set out on our back deck and, you know, it's not a very far commute from our back deck to the 
to the bed. <laughs> no, it's not. You're not going to get pulled over walking from the from the deck to your bedroom either. No. Now she might say, "Hey, uh, you need to you need to come to bed because you're out there singing on the back deck to some old Hank Junior or something." There you go, scaring the scaring the squirrels <laughs> and the deer away back there. Yeah, or the well, our neighbor's far away. She's I think she's afraid they can hear me singing. You're not. They promised me you're going to sing if you came today. No, that's not going to happen. All right. Okay. All right. Huh. I do not sing very well. Okay. I, I can sit here and, and just shoot the shit with you and bullshit all day long about bourbon. That's all good. So, whiskey guardians, tell me about that. We we keyed in on very early that it was going to be important for us to be involved in the bartender community, especially when we're bringing something to market that has a story that's a little different. You know, the finishing. So we aligned very early with bartenders. So we, we sought out some of the top bartenders in the world in their different markets, and we brought them on as what we call our whiskey guardians. So they are our active promoters and guardians and ambassadors of the brand. They also still work at local bars, so they're plugged into the community. Many of them are members of the U.S. Bartenders Guild. And uh, so they do trainings in market. They do staff trainings with other bartenders. They do uh, our, our charitable endeavors. They'll do tastings. When I go to market, they they set things up for me. And it's turned into a program that, that uh, a lot of people are trying to emulate because it's been so successful. So we have 70 or so of these folks around the country. They're extended family members, not extended. Well, I mean, they're extended. They're family members that are out telling the story. And uh, we bring them all here once a year and we have a big family party and great. Just the most amazing people you'll ever meet. You know, I think that's a way to not only tell people about your your whiskey and your bourbon, um, but it's also an expert in those 50 different cities. Well, and it's real. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's, it's, you know, people that have a passion, not just for Angel's Envy, but are respected as bartenders, you know, respected as recommending great spirits. And, you know, the people we hire to, there's good humans. I don't really know any other way. You know, the, the spirits industry is so diverse. It's so um, uh, caring and so willing to help out and uh, to have all those people on my team that are out there doing it all over the all over the world now because we're launching internationally is uh, is is really a, an amazing thing to be a part of. So you guys got a great uh, bartender here too, from what I understand. Yeah, but don't tell him that because the last time somebody <laughs> told him that he wanted more money and his head was too big and everything <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, we do. We've got a, a team of bartenders here. Mike Bone is uh, heads up the the team, and they just created the uh, the new menu. Which is, uh, did you see that? I haven't saw it. Jim Jim was here the other night with you guys, and okay, he got to see everything and. Uh, it's the he, Seinfeld menu. This he, he was just bragging all, all on everything. He was so excited. Uh, I think he hurt him a little bit. He couldn't be here today, but he was like, "Man, their bartender there just makes him." Awesome drinks. He's phenomenal. So this menu is, is their theme menus every every uh, quarter or so. This is the it's a menu about nothing this quarter, which is a Seinfeld based menu. We've done what uh, Willy Wonka. We've done Game of Thrones. I can't think of all the different, but they're all themed cocktails. And and if you come to our distillery here, you can go to the bar and have a cocktail. It's a mad scientist laboratory going on over there. They've got stuff growing over there that I don't even know what it is, and some of it may be deadly i don't know but i mean they make all their own fuse all their own infusions their own you know the spices their own uh, syrups their own bitters all that stuff is done back there and and they're they're artists and scientists it's nice that you have that you know some people might not want to come in here and just drink that straight pour of of bourbon or whiskey i mean louisville's home of the old-fashioned why not show off the versatile bourbon is one of the most versatile spirits in a cocktail you can get 
and I can, I, even people that don't drink whiskey, I guarantee you to a largest extent, if from, from 99% of the people that say they don't like whiskey, I can find a whiskey cocktail that, that you will drink. like. Yeah. I, there's no doubt about that. I was making Kentucky Rita's at the uh, music festival, uh, music festivals in September. Kentucky Rita's. Kentucky Rita's. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's got some bourbon in it. It's got some bourbon in it, but it's got some some jalapenos in it and some uh, some lime juice and you know I mean just what you would expect. It's a Kentucky Rita and it's really freaking good. That does sound good. I'm gonna have to look that up and figure out how oh, you to make can, that. You can't look it up. It's just a, just think margarita and substitute whiskey. Well, you're just gonna have to send me a send me a. All right, I'll send you a care package out to Shelby package. County. <laughs> Maybe I'll come over to Lagrange. There and see you go. You. So the future. What, let's talk about the future a little bit. So before I came here today, Jim had came out here the other day and you guys had a media event and uh, he got to try your new tanny port that's coming out um, for 2020. Right. And I tried that and it is fantastic. I'm glad you like it. Um, yeah. The, the tawny port finish will be out. Uh, uh, it'll be out any day now. And it's uh, it's a 10-year-old bourbon. It's the oldest bourbon we've ever released. And then it's finishing that tawny port barrel for another 10 months. Uh, very uh, complex, very deep, dark, great color, great aroma. And, you know, it, it's fun because as we get older, we have availability of different stocks. Not necessarily has to be older stock, but different stocks and different sure. taste profiles we can play with. So um, the Tawny is, uh, has turned out amazingly well. Now, is that going to be in a box or anything? Or No, it's not in a box, but it's in a special it's, – it's our seller collection which is the second release in our seller collection. The first was the Oloroso Sherry we did last year. Um, this is a, the second uh, piece of the, of the the seller collection puzzle. The bottle is a little more upscale, a little more, uh, looks a little more frou-frou, you know, kind of, uh, nice frou-frou is not a good word for it, but <laughs> it's 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 a, just a little more, it's a beautiful package. I don't can know it, any other way to describe it. Can the bottle get any sexier than it already is? This one's a little sexier, I think. It's uh, the, the, the gold lettering on it is really cool. We've changed the labeling around the label schematic a little bit, but we wanted to have a consistent labeling within the seller collection. Sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, up on your shelf up there, I noticed you had uh, a bottle that's been bedazzled. I do. <laughs> that was a gift. Um, for, I don't remember who gave that to me. Um, uh, yeah, she sent me a bedazzled bottle. And the, the, I've never bedazzled anything, but looking at the intricacies <laughs> of what. So she bedazzled, for those of you, obviously, you're listening, you can't see, but she's bedazzled the wings on the bottle. It's pretty awesome. Looking. And I would assume that the detail to do that has got to be incredible. It, it Definitely took some time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how you bedazzle. I don't know how the hell you do it, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's phenomenal and she did a great job. And some of the other bottles up there, you see some of them are bottles dad signed. Um, some of them are bottles that, uh, that uh, with uh, different labeling that we, we didn't end up using. So I just like to keep those things around. It's, it's a cool reminder of how we got where we got. So what can our listeners, you, you already said that there might be a weed, weeded expression in the future. Yeah, that's a, that's probably a way out. Um, we've got 17 different uh, uh, ish, different uh, innovations in progress right now. And we don't have a we don't have a timeline for this stuff. It, it just so happened we had a, a seller release last year. We've got a seller release this year. That's more happenstance than anything because we don't we're not we're not on that gerbil wheel where we're going to spit out something every six months sure. or every year. We'll 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 put it out when we're ready to put it out. So uh, of those 17, I don't really have any. There's several leading contenders, but I don't know where we're going to go yet. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do, but but rest assured, they're they're all fun. They're all unique and they're all within the kind of the same spirit, you know, of what we're what we've done up to this point. 
So where can our listeners find you guys on social media? Everywhere. Everywhere. Um, of course, Angels Envy, our website, uh, www.angelsenvy.com. I encourage you to join our 500 main group, which is our, it's a, it's a, it's a little group of folks that, that have Angels Envy in common. You get advanced notice of special releases. As a matter of fact, if you remember 500 main, you're able to pre-purchase your Tawny Bear or your Tawny bottle before anyone else. Um, please follow me. I'm at KY Bourbon Maker at KY Bourbon Maker on Twitter and Instagram. And I love, I interact a lot with my followers and, and that that's a lot of fun. So you, and you can find us uh, all around. I do events all the time. Wes, it's been great having us on day up we'd love to come back and maybe sit down with you and your boys would love that um all at once that's fine and, and see if we get to sing s- we're gonna make you sing for your supper next time you come back sing from a bourbon there you go um it'd be great to hear their stories about their dad and about their grandfather and um, we'll see about the dad stories we'll we'll we'll, we'll have to <laughs> i'll have to hear those in advance from them um but i'd like yeah. to hear their stories of their first drink of bourbon well <laughs> I don't want to be in the room when that happens, um, but um, it is interesting to hear their perspective because they have a totally different perspective than I do because they've, you know, they've been a part of it, but they've also seen it from a periphery as it, as it developed. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put you, we'll hook you guys up and uh, I think it'd be fun, but you're welcome back anytime. And thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Even though only, you know, even though you didn't bring everybody, that's okay. I got abandoned by the rest of the team today. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's all good. Yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim it's going to hurt his heart. I'm going to rub it. I'm going to rub his ass, rub it in his ass really good here for not being here. But, uh, uh, you know, we were glad we got to see him. Uh, was it yesterday? Was it day before yesterday? Tuesday? I lost total track of time, but total any, track of time. anytime, my friend, thank you very much. So listeners out there, you can find me and Jim on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at, at one big chief on Instagram and, uh, on Facebook. I'm on Twitter a little bit, but not too much. Join our Facebook group, the roadies. We're on there all the time talking. You can also find us on Spotify and on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, almost anywhere you can listen to a podcast listen to us if you like us leave us a five-star review if you don't just don't bother no we want leave us a five-star review anyway (laughs) yeah but they're gonna love you so it really doesn't matter right if they like my deep voice oh there you go there you go perfect perfect (laughs) Uh, we'll see you on down to bourbon road appreciate all of our listeners and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the bourbon road we hope you enjoyed today's show and if so we would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five star with a review on itunes make sure you follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at the bourbon road that way you'll be kept in the loop on all the bourbon road happenings you can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog listen to the show or reach out to us directly We always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.